How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I think I remember how to do this. I've hit record, so we're good on that. Uh, I am Mike. We're here with McLean and Jay Bird. Welcome back. We apologize. Mainly, I apologize. We have not had an episode the last couple of weeks. You can blame me. I felt like I was on my deathbed uh, the last two weeks, just under the weather. For I was sick for a good. 10 11 days like legit sick for like 11 days um my whole family's been sick for about a month i even went to the doctor to get tested for the world came back negative on everything i'm like doc please tell me i'm positive for something can i just tell me what this is so you can give me some medicine give me some medicine (laughs) give me some drugs dude like i want to be tested positive for something um but he's like oh no you know just a bad dangerous game to play yeah (laughs) so uh, you can blame me uh, for being sick the last couple of weeks. Just uh, not doing it. I'm going to do my best to not cough into the microphone tonight as this thing's still lingering. So I apologize to the listeners if you if I don't mute my microphone in time to, to catch a cough. So, gents, how are you guys doing? We're good. But, Mike, I got to be honest. You know, as a member of the media, sometimes you got to play through pain. And, you know, I, I can only think back to, you know, Michael Jordan in the flu game. And it just seems like there's a direct correlation. Um but we're we're, yeah. miss, we're missing our side. That's I'm I'm a pussy. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're well, saying you're not Michael Jordan? Yeah, it hit me quite a long time ago. I figured that out, but uh, <laughs> this is just another instance that reminds me that I'm nowhere near the person that Michael Jordan is. <laughs> just add it to the list. Other than being five five eight and white and can't jump, um, those are the three number one on the list. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I, so. I do have a good Michael Jordan story. It's actually not my story. I stole it from uh, a buddy of mine. But um, <laughs> Ben, uh, I don't know if you guys you know Ben Beach, but he's a buddy of ours. He's a, a listener, and he's got two brothers, Sam and Blake. Um, and they're great golfers. Um, but they are good buddies with uh, Justin Verlander. They kind of grew up uh, playing little league baseball and stuff, so they're all close. But um, Verlander was playing uh, Grove Twenty Three um, down in Florida. And was uh, invited those three boys, the the Beach Boys, to come play, and uh, so they're down there. You know, all three of them are together. Verlander's at the course. He's like, "Where are you guys? Like, come on, pick it up. You guys got to, you know, get get here. Let's go. We're, we're going to tee off." So they're hustling down, and Ben's like, "We're right here. We're like five minutes away. We're, we're like an hour early. So what's the big deal?" But Verlander's like, "You need to go in." He's like, "Whatever, you know, shitty shoes you have on, and you know, old, you know, Peter Millar polo you have." He's like, "Go to the." pro shop get you some new shoes get you a new shirt he's like just get decked out you gotta look sweet and it's like what is the going on here you know so they get all you know jazzed up and they get the new you know spikes on and get the new shirt and as they're walking out to the to the tee there's there's jordan standing on the tee he's like where the hell are these beach boys he's like we're trying to play some golf <laughs> so they obviously get on the tee and uh i think dwight freeney joined them so they had six guys he said all six of these carts went like 35, 40 miles an hour. He's like, there's six carts going everywhere. He's like, it took, this I'm talking about, Ben was telling the story. He was like, it took me like five holes to just one, realize I was playing with Michael Jordan and two, just to find out where everyone's ball was the whole time. He said it was this chaos, but um, he said it was super cool. I mean, obviously, yeah. but uh, he said he, <laughs> of the first tee, 
he said he hit it about 180 yards and then he followed up with right. He said, I hit it 180 yards straight right off the tee. I was so nervous. <laughs> was like I couldn't even breathe, you know, Michael Jordan staring, staring at me while I'm trying to tee off. But uh, I thought that was a, it was a cool story and Verlander obviously hooked it up and, uh, but played it out nicely to not let them know that they were playing with Jordan walking to the tee. I mean, that's, I don't, I mean, I would be, I, I've been around a lot of golfers, been around tiger, really cool. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody that I could meet that I would be more nervous than to meet Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, so he's like your he's like presidents. your number one. He would be, yeah. If I if I was around him, I would definitely probably stutter a little bit. <laughs> uh, uh, that, that's anyway, a, that is a pretty just, cool story. I've heard that Grove cool 23 is awesome down there. Oh, just and then not to mention, as as Ben was going into the locker room, there was Rory getting ready to go hit balls. Like I, I guess a lot of the guys. Are now members there, there because it's yeah. it's it's uh it's so quiet and there's nobody you know no other members really bugging them it's like they can really go out and practice get their stuff done i mean apparently the course is just incredible too it's but i obviously haven't been there but um it's, well, it's all awesome guys chick. it's all guys that aren't they're not going to bother other guys because they're all of the same stature yeah yeah exactly right they're all well known they're all out there doing the same thing kind of escaping and i think they're just kind of out there they probably feel as much like a regular guy as they do yeah. maybe anywhere. Yeah. You're probably yeah. right. So, yeah. They don't have to worry about it. They can just, you know, shoot the shit with their, the, you know, the buddies make fun of them and everyone's kind of on the, on the same level. Yeah. I think it's a, a who's who at that place. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um but, all right. Well, uh, what's, what's everyone drinking? You know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go. I, I, I tried something different. I found the bottle of uh, it's Jefferson uh, Jefferson Reserve, but it's it's a Jefferson Reserve rye, and it's a uh, they're kind of you know cured in uh, cognac barrels um, or cognac casts. Um, and I'm not. I've always thought Jefferson was a little overrated, but this is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. smooth. I mean, it still has that little rye finish on the end, kind of that spicy that spicy finish, but not like overbearing. It's pretty, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good pour for sure. I mean, it's not that expensive either. It just, it's on the shelves, but it's rated, you know, pretty highly too. So I'm not a huge rye guy, but this the, is pretty good. The ones that you have that are finished in like a, a wine or a port or, you know, any kind of those casts, it kind of, it sweetens it up a little bit and takes a little bit of the bite out of it. Yeah. Yeah, and this is exactly that. It's just it's just enough to you that you can tell that it's a rye, but not it's not overbearing. Uh, not like a true rye. You know, if you get a true rye, it's like almost like ugh, it's too much. But as Mc- anyway, as McLean's rolling his eyes at the two of us breaking down rye whiskey. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. You can break down the Corona Light. I'd like to hear. You I, yeah, I'm just over here getting real Florida with it. <laughs> uh, what's funny? You know, speaking of on the shelf, I was at the walmart liquor store earlier today and there are 12 buffalo trace bottles just sitting on the shelf <laughs> i almost took a picture but the lady was already kind of awkward and it was just it was going to be real weird to so ma'am can you move so i can take a picture real quick you know but uh yeah i did just switch though i just switched oh. to corona light oh oh yeah so i did just switch, but I, I was drinking a little tequila earlier oh okay. nice man, yeah. man that, that, that would have been cool but it's not now <laughs> yeah. Well, I I was drinking tequila and I had it planned for this, but you know we started a little late. I'd gotten through it. You know it was time to make that switch. I, I, blew, I blew that. I blew that. That's my fault. Jay had to read a book about snakes, so he joined us a little late. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, what, what am I drinking? I'm drinking um, Sweeten's Cove. Oh, the, is that the real, real? Is that the real nice high end one? No, it's not. It's the cheap one. It's the uh, the Kennessee. It's okay. But uh, speaking of really cool golf courses, yeah, that would be that a cool golf one to course. Go that would be a fun one to go play. Yeah, that would be awesome. So yeah, the bourbons. Okay, I'm, I'd be curious to try the high end one. This is not I mean, the high end it's one. It's like two hundred dollars a bottle. I'm like, yeah, I, this I, is the I one that's like fifty dollars a bottle. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Ugh. So, all right, let's let's get into a little golf. We haven't talked golf in a few weeks. Hopefully, you guys listened to our last episode. Uh, we did a little breakdown. We had Rob Labritz on. So, if you haven't uh, listened to that, judging by some of the downloads the last couple of weeks, looking at it, some people were were listening to it, especially uh, with us not putting out any any new content. So, uh, it was cool talking to Rob and and what he's done um, this season on the Champions Tour being a, a PJ professional. So good stuff. Listen to that, but let's get into some golf. So let's leave this kind of open-ended. We've, we've missed the last few weeks. Kind of a lot has happened. Uh, we've had three PJ tour events. Seamus power wins the Jay's favorite Bermuda championship. Uh, Russell Henley <laughs> wins. Went I'm going to try to qualify for that event just so I can say that I played in the Bermuda Championship. I, you need to. You need I, Monday into I, that. Have I bashed this event? Have I bashed it in the past? You use you use that the Bermuda Championship as yeah. like the, the the bottom, the straw man of the like Correct. bad events on the PGA Tour. That's like so. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Bermuda Championship. I I, didn't, I don't mean it that way, but. Yeah, this what it your is. odds of a sponsor exemption are out the window. Yeah, no, no chance Butterfield's giving you a sponsor's exemption. No, you're going to have to do it on your own accord. <laughs> then you had there Russell you Henley go. win the Worldwide Technology at Mayakoba, place that Jay has played and qualified yeah. for. And then, and then our boy, our boy Tony Finau, wins this weekend the Cadence Bank Houston Open. Pretty much in runaway fashion. I turned it on. I didn't watch much of it. I turned it on briefly on Sunday, and he had an eight-shot lead. Uh, he did stumble kind of a little bit. He shot 31 on the front to kind of build that huge lead. And then um, I think he shot 38 on the back and still won by four or five. So Yeah, he's got it. He's got his shit figured out now. Three, three wins and the last seven starts for him. And he's... Found his groove, and yeah, you know, I mean, I, he's only he's only had one missed cut, and that was last week, right? Last week, yeah. I mean, in, in that span, look, we talked about it when he won that first time, yeah. And we said this goes one of two ways, you know, it either goes into a very long drought again, or it gets the monkey off his back, frees him and up a just, little bit. And yeah. obviously, we've seen which way it went for him. Um, we all expected it. I think he now probably feels like he belongs with everyone that he's been around and been rubbing shoulders with for so long, but hasn't always had that, that extra point on his resume that some of his peers has had or has possessed. So now he's got it off his shoulder and uh, we knew what physically he has the ability to do. If the putter, if he can putt decent, he can win decent. a lot of golf tournaments. Just decent. Decent. He can win a lot yeah. of golf tournaments. So we'll, we'll see what else he's got in the, the tank. The only thing i'll say to not bash tony is okay he 
Well, I was asking for him to win and win a win. And he he's now won four times since we started this podcast, five times overall. I want him to win some bigger events now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Great. so he won the Northern Trust in August 21, the playoff event. So playoff event, good field, a little bit of a limited field. It's not a you know full 144 players, 156 players. But still the top players. Still the top players. Yes. So I'll give him that. And then he wins the summer. He wins um, back-to-back. He wins the 3M Open, which was not a good field. Rocket Mortgage was a little bit better the following week in Detroit. And then this week's Houston Open, not a great field. So if I am going to knock the guy, it's, all right, you've proven now that you can win. Mm -hmm. Can you now take the step up and win some of the big boy events? And I'm not even not even saying majors. I'm just saying, can you win a Riviera or where he's been close, lost in a playoff to Homa last year? Can you win a, a Bay Hill or, you know, a Torrey Pines or, you know, Memorial, something like that, even before you can knock off a major? Well, I think these wins were stepping stones along that way. It's a hell of a lot easier to win a big event when you've won some small ones first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you've got that monkey off your back a little bit. You know what it's like to be in contention. You know what it's like to get the job done. You know how it is to close a tournament. Regardless of who's standing in the fairway next to you, you can at least draw on the fact that you have been there and sealed the deal before. So if he has the opportunity to put himself back in that position, he he can at least utilize that experience to hopefully get it done in some of those larger events. And he's won. I will say this to give him to give him credit. He's won by a decent margin. Those these last three events that he's won, he's won by three strokes, five strokes, four strokes. So he's kind of you know stepping on people's throat when he's doing yeah. these last few times. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised. I mean, like I said, I know when we had that conversation with with Curtis like early about a, two years ago. You know, I, I was kind of fighting for him. I I think that it is one of those things that can be learned, like how to win. Like it, I think he, he knows how to do it because he's done it in the past. He just hasn't done it on the PGA tour. So I think that's, it was just a matter of time before he gained that confidence uh, where he was like, you know what? I can do this. It's just the same, same dudes I beat up before when I was on, you know, one of the other tours, you know, it's just, it's, it's different for the guy that's, that's qualified, you know, for the corn Ferry qualifier of the PGA tour, but they never really won any, any tournaments like yeah they just don't really they know how to play good golf and they know how to get through they know how to qualify but they don't know how to go out there and win and dominate and i think i do think tony he's done that i mean he's been playing you know high-end golf i mean him and rory used to play golf together when they were juniors i mean they used to beat up on each other i mean he obviously gains confidence from that so so i think it was just a matter of time before um he gets kind of on a roll like this but you're right i think the next step is to win some big boy events contend in some more majors i mean he has contended in majors but get get in the mix like win like he's definitely talented enough to do it you know like i said it's all kind of revolves around his putter yeah i mean he has he has 10 10 top 10s in majors one two three four top fives you know so he has he has contended i mean he has the game obviously he has the length he has the ball the ball striking Plays terribly in the U.S. Open, though. I think he's missed two last two cuts in the U.S. Open. Players he's missed. Like, some of these really tough golf courses, he doesn't play well. Man, so his player's record is interesting. 2015, his first one, T14. Then he misses the cut in 2016. Then he didn't qualify in 2017. 
Then he comes in fifth and 18. Uh, then he come misses the cut in 19. Mm-hmm. Comes T8 2020, and then the last two years misses the cut. So it's like a top 10 or Mr. a missed Bannon. cut. Man, yeah. that's that's an interesting little track. Well, it all there. comes down on both of those types of venues that you just mentioned, Jay, being U.S. Open and seeing multiple different types, but also looking at TPC and the Players Championship. The two things that strike me immediately that are a premium on either of those two setups is driving accuracy. Yeah. And Tony, if he's driving the ball well and he's in the fairway, he's going to yeah. be tough to beat. Because he hits U.S. So Open rough. Yeah, and he's that strong. But U.S. Open yeah. rough is hard to overpower and control your golf ball. You might be able to advance it, but you still give up a lot of control of that golf ball once it lands. I don't care how far you're able to advance that ball. So Yeah, yeah, you're, it's, you're right. It's difficult. It's yeah. difficult for someone if they're not driving the ball well. And, you know, if we were going to say, I mean, Tony does hit it fairly straight, but he's not the straightest driver of the golf ball. And he does hit it an absolute mile. And he doesn't – he's not uh, – as we've seen, he's not – the best he's not i don't think he has a bad short game but he's just not the best so if he's not at a u.s open setup if he's not driving the ball in the fairway yeah and he, yeah. he's not, not chipping and putting all that great like oh, that's a miscut you know i mean yeah. <laughs> that, that combo doesn't doesn't work because <laughs> like you yeah. said it doesn't really matter how far you hit it so to speak in the u.s opens if you're not hitting the fairway you're just chipping out half the time it doesn't matter unless you're unless you drive it up there inside of you know 100 120 yards they can hit a wedge or something like that and hack it out. But if you're not, if you're not that close, you're just pitching outside. Yeah. Even then you just don't have any control. Yeah. And that's my whole point, especially on, you know, the tabletops of a U.S. open green, Mm -hmm. you know, that ball is going to land without any spin. And it's, it's just difficult to manufacture the type of shot it takes Mm -hmm. at a venue, you know, such as U.S. open course and Mm -hmm. do it with any sort of long-term success. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I, I do. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm putting, I'm calling myself out on the, on the pod right now. I'm gonna send him. I need to send uh, Tony a message and need to try to get him on the show. I'm just gonna. I just need to do it. I'm just. And it, if he denies, he denies. But I'm, I'm calling myself out. If I don't just say it, I won't do it. But I should. I'll reach out to him. I know this is probably not a great time since. <laughs> He's he's been playing well and he just won a tournament. I'm sure he's getting pulled in a lot of different directions, but he just WD'd from this week's event. He was yeah. initially in the field. Yeah, I saw that. And it said hey, he's free some this weekend. He's free yeah. this weekend. Let's give him a call. Yeah, let's <laughs> give him a call. I mean, no, I will I'll do it. And I'll keep bugging him. I'll call I'll call him and then uh his caddy Urbanic. We played golf in college together. So I'll I'll bug them both until hopefully they just <laughs> succumb to the pressure. I'm like, fine, let's get this over with. Um you said but, in front of God and everybody now, so yeah, that's right. Here we go. I need to do it. Meeting going on over here. Yeah. <laughs> just need to call myself out. I've been saying I'm going to do it, and I just haven't done it. And you know, if he, well, the worst thing to do is say no, and say then no. I'll just ask or him just, again. <laughs> just not respond at all. <laughs> Which yeah, could happen. Which could happen too. So, anything else you guys make from the recent um, PJ Tour schedule? I know these aren't the greatest events. Seamus Power wins. Russell Henley. Um, not really much to say about. I mean, uh, Seamus has been on the verge of. I know he's played really well in some of the lower tier events. Again, you know, fall series event here, but he's been. He's had a lot of uh, a lot of top top finishes over the course of the last year, and it's just he's been kind of knocking on the door. I feel like so. It's kind of cool to see him um, get one. 
Yeah, yeah. He, uh, that's uh, actually his second. He won Bermuda as well before. Yeah, back yeah. to back. Yeah, he's a really good dude. I, I crossed paths with him uh, once up in Charlotte and couldn't have been a nicer guy. I actually watched some of that Bermuda championship on Sunday. I was in bed with a fever and it was a little you lost the remote. <laughs> I, just, I just I put on golf. I'm a slave to golf. I love golf. <laughs> actually, my daughter the other day, I was I don't know what I, I think I was watching like a YouTube video on the TV and she goes, Daddy. Why do you love golf so much? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Why do you love those stupid fucking bracelets you make all the time? Okay. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm sure you said it just like <laughs> I, I, I never really loved said that, Jay. I think I left the F word out, but other than that, I did say, Why do you love those stupid bracelets so much? <laughs> but knowing your your family, why why have I right spent on. $150 on yarn and string and beads and <laughs> and pick up all this shit all over the floor? Yeah, that's yeah, because that's where it ends up. Yeah, no bracelets um, made, but it's all over the floor. I will say, I was kind of entertained while I'm sitting there in bed with poor Ben Griffin, mm. had the lead at the Bermuda and bogeyed four in a row, then makes a double with six over through a five hole stretch, and then gets up on 17 the par five and drives it in the water, ends up making a par. But I was like, oh, God, this poor guy. And then Seamus was leaking oil. He made back-to-back bogeys. I was like, oh, this is a train wreck for these two guys. Yeah, it was an ugly ending. Coming down the stretch here. Uh, so. There's not there's not a worse feeling than like when you... It's, off the, it's off the tracks you, and you can't get yeah, it back on. You can't. I mean, especially when you're on like PV and coming down the stretch trying to win a golf tournament. Like it's one thing if you're like, you know, 30th and no one's watching. You're like, ah, I don't have it you know and but when you're trying to win a golf tournament and you're in the last couple groups and you just there's like nothing you can do like i was like can i just please especially get this ball airborne and hit it in the fairway it was playing tough too that bermuda it was like the you made the turn there and the last from like 12 through 18 were like dead into the wind oh and if you're not hitting you're not hitting it well and you're going into the wind uh uh-oh good luck shows shows all your all your flaws yeah, good luck. Um, I, yeah, I feel for him. That that's that's the worst feeling, and you just like I can't get done fast enough. I mean, you're not even worried about winning the golf tournament. You just like I just want to get done. That's I know that sounds terrible, but that thought I, I know crosses my well. Like, how can I get to the clubhouse and not completely just lose it? <laughs> speaking of just being off the railroad tracks and and not even trying to get it back on, did you guys catch this Mark Hubbard DQ story from this past week? No, I, I wanted. I knew you would know this story, so I want to hear. So I, Mark Hubbard I is Mark. on Friday. Dude, so on Friday, is getting ready to miss the cut. He did not like his driver; it was spitting too much. He he was like, "This thing sucks." So he makes the turn, and he goes into the clubhouse or sends someone in, and he gets another driver brought out to him as a fifteenth club on purpose. He wanted to try out this backup driver in game like scenario but he knew he was going to get penalized but he thought it was only two per hole when you use it with a max of four which is the rule if you have a 15th club in your bag but not if you purposely have the intent to go get a 15th club and put it in your bag you get disqualified get disqualified i didn't know that either i thought that's the way i understood the rule if you have 15 clubs you would you get you have a max Excuse me. So yeah, he thought like, all right, well, I'm gonna get penalized. I'm gonna miss the cut anyways. I just want to try this out. I'm gonna get hit with four strokes. 
and nope, DQ, you're out. Take a hike, pal. <laughs> I mean, that's he. I mean, I, I don't. I think he don't think he did it on purpose to like get DQ'd, but I do. No, I'm 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 okay with him. Like, you know what? Hey, I'm gonna miss the cut. Let me just let me let me put this yeah, thing. I get put it. this thing in the game. I get it. I mean, it's a little. I, I wouldn't probably do it, but I get it's it. his responsibility to know the rules. We all yeah. know that. that. That's what it is. It's. I get it. Yeah, I guess he was like already fed up with his game, and and I think I don't know if it's his, it's his brother that caddies for him. He started posting something on Twitter about it. Like he's getting ready. He just went under the knife. He's gonna have like a mini surgery or whatever. And he was just like, and this is a guy now. If you if you some of you guys have probably seen clips of this guy when he's getting close to missing the cut before. He's like putted like hockey style. Oh yeah, he didn't dicking care. around. He did this one thing where he like puts the club between his legs and then puts with his like his pinky wrapped around it. Like he just does some weird, goofy shit when he's missing the cut on a Friday. And you can add this to the to the to the story. Hey, I'm just gonna go test out this driver in competition yeah. and fuck the penalty. Not knowing <laughs> the penalty was DQ. Not like it really matters. He was he wasn't gonna make a check anyways, but um just a, a whoops a daisy. On that one, yeah. So, what uh, what else do you make? I real fast. I want to give a tip of the cap. Tommy Fleetwood wins a golf tournament. It was on the DP World Tour, the Ned Bank down in South Africa, and I just like Tommy Fleetwood. I love watching him swing a golf club. He flushes it. He does flush it. He's got a little bit of a different move. That's just money, and I hope he kind of regains. And he started the regain his form a little bit this year but he wins and how about this he hasn't won he won the ned bank back-to-back times but hasn't won a golf tournament in three years because they haven't had this event since 2019 because south africa basically shut down everything the last two years because of covid so the last time they had this event was 2019 he won he defends his 2019 championship this year that was the last time he won and that was the last time he won Wow, that's interesting. You would have thought I would have thought that he had won a couple times on the DP tour, but no, he just hasn't hasn't played well since that. Um, I guess it was a, a 2018 or yeah, 2018. Well, he had Cup. so much pressure applied to him coming over. You know, they labeled him the world beater, and yeah, he he comes over and starts playing full time on the PJ tour. And man, it's tough to live up to those expectations when you're constantly under the spotlight and you've got all the big names sitting right next to you. I mean, nothing against the DP world tour, but we've talked enough about strength of field mm-hmm. on this show. Um, and we know that once you got over and especially prior to the live tour, the fields were real fucking strong. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's tough to live up to. And I think that's where you saw a lot of that emotion come from when he did hole out and did, uh, you know, capture the victory over there in South Africa. Yeah. So, you know, I, he's someone who I like, I think he's, uh, He's good for the game. He's a good player. He's a good competitor. Uh, I like to see him when he's in contention. And ultimately, I think he's a he's a good um, uh, he's a good match play competitor. You know, when you look yeah. at him in the Ryder Cups, I like seeing the matches that we go up against him. He's he's one of the guys that you know you kind of pull for a little bit. Maybe not during that week, but you know you, you don't look at him and immediately have some sort of disdain for him. No, he's like he's he's just classic one of those guys that I would love to sit down and have a beer with. He just seems like a just chill, relaxed, fun guy. You know, him and Molinari, they did that funny video after the Ryder Cup. They, they were partners and they went 4-0 and as partners. And then they did that funny video. They, they woke up and, you know, shirtless in bed together with the Ryder Cup in between each other. 
Um, I do remember that was pretty funny. Yeah. So yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully he gets back at it on the uh, PGA tour, but it was good to see him get in the winner's circle and maybe that kind of um, foreshadows some of his play and, and kind of as we go into 2023 here. How, um how cool would it be to play? I was just talking about this with some buddies the other day. How cool would it be to play full time on the DP world tour? I mean, I think it'd be a badass time. DJ tour is is obviously great because there's more money, but like to be able to travel Europe and play on the DP world tour, it sounds awesome. Like what? I mean, how fun would that be? Oh, I'd wait. I'd way rather travel to most of the places the European tour plays than going to Texas four times a year or, you know, no offense to all of our Texas listeners, but like, (laughs) but I mean, it's like over there, it's like every, basically every country that they go to is their like national open. You know, every yeah. year for the for the most part. I mean, there's some places they go multiple multiple countries throughout the year, but I mean, a lot of those countries, it's like, hey, this is, you know, this is the one, this is the one tournament that we have. This is our big event. This is our national open. Um, so it's it they the fans get kind of you know geeked up about it. And I remember uh, playing on the uh, Latin American tour. It was like that. Every country that we went to, it was like the biggest golf tournament of the year for them. So it was like people. We had pretty decent crowds. Um, I mean, it was it was actually pretty fun. I mean, to you, you get you know, if you were in the last group, you get 100, 150 people following you around, which is, I mean, there's some PGA Tour events that they're not getting hardly more than 150 events. So I'm not going to name any any names or any events. Better better than a live event. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. It's, I just think that would be man playing the DP World Tour is pretty fun. I can see where I got guys like it. You know. Well, I got a caddy for dad on the European senior tour and it was unbelievable. Awesome. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's right. You did. I mean, you, is that one year or two years that you did that? Uh, I did two years. Two years. I mean, how fun was that just to travel? Last. I mean, you get to see all the different cultures, eat all sorts of different food, um, get to kind of associate with the, I've always said on the PGA tour and on the American tours, there's a much bigger, uh, division between the players and the um, Augusta calls them patrons. There's a word I'm looking for the crowd for lack of a better yeah. word, but there it's, it's a lot different. There's a much more, there's a much closer relationship with them. You know, I, I can remember being at Woburn and the scoreboard and the scoreboard up for the tournament was right up there near the clubhouse and they had tables all out there around and it's players and public and everyone's just kind of hanging out together. And the whole atmosphere was different. It was more relaxed. Uh, it was very unique, to say the very least. I'm not necessarily saying you want to do that here in America. I think, you know, some of our fans can be pretty aggressive and you know, that yeah. would be mixed pretty quickly. But, um, you know, it was it was unique, to say the very least, and uh, something that I obviously treasure and get to look back on fondly. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. I mean, that I, I, I completely forgot that you you caddied over there with them. But, like, yeah, I mean, you, I mean even being a caddy, you, you got to experience the, inside the ropes – like you said, just the experience with the, the you know, the, the, you know, the, I, I don't I know you were trying to find a word for it, the spectators, the local patrons, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. but, but all of the fans that, you know, are, you know, following around, you know, these events, you're able to get kind of get in with the, with the fans and, and talk to them a little more and on a tour like that, especially the, the, the senior tour over there in Europe. But I mean, what a cool experience to be able, like you said, to travel around, you know, different experience, go to different countries, uh, dive into the culture a little bit, eat some good food, drink some different beer or whatever you're, whatever you wanted to drink. Um, but I don't know. Corona light over there. 
They did yeah. not. What they did have, though, and this still always baffled me, is they had Budweiser Extra Cold. <laughs> that was an American beer, and they're serving it extra cold. They had taps. They had ice frozen over the whole thing. And they had, they had uh, Guinness Extra Cold and, like, one or two others. But I'm sitting there looking at Budweiser Extra Cold. I'm like, the fuck we ain't have this shit? This makes this is genius. Well, they they but they they serve their they, beers kind of warm. Well, they, they have that's an option. Me. There are certain beers that they do dark beer. They have, they they will serve it warm. It's nasty. I tried it once, never again. <laughs> um, but regardless, it, it it's it's a cool bar scene. I mean, it's uh, the pubs, the real deal pubs. Oh yeah, um, that and would some be of those great. spots was really cool. But you know, going back to your point, Jay, you are exactly right. You know, similar to what you saw on the Latino America tour you do get the crowds coming out. I can remember being in Scotland and it started raining and the worse the weather got, the bigger the crowd got. And it's just, you know, they're yeah. immersing it. That's their local event. You know, they yeah. don't have in a lot of those places over there, they don't have the infrastructure to get out and go and do a lot of the things that we're so blessed to be able to do easily in our country. Um, unless you are you know very wealthy for, yeah. for the most part. So for them, when something like that comes into town, you get it's the biggest thing. They aren't even, you know, big golfers. They're, it's exactly right. It's the biggest thing going on. And you get some people that are, that really love the sport and you get some people that are, you know, out there to be a part of, you know, the event that's happening in their yeah. local, uh, in their local area. But it was certainly a unique experience. I think I have more of a, an appreciation for the game or different appreciation for the game. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. It's not, it's, they're not rowdy. They're not rowdy the way ours are. Now, I'll say this as a spectator, I like a little rowdy. <laughs> I personally identify, um, you know, with someone that enjoys some of the rowdiness. But on the backside of that, it's it's really cool to see the game in a different light, even seeing the different golf courses, you know, playing on true links golf courses, um, seeing some of the similarities and some of the differences. You know, you go to you know, Wentworth, for example, Wentworth is highly regarded as probably one of the best places over there and one of the coolest tracks I've ever gotten to play. But when you're out there on the golf course, there's big, tall pine trees. It's kind of cut out of wood. It's not totally unlike something that we have over here. But yeah. then you go to a place like Royal Porthcall, which is down in Wales, right there on the coast, which is as true a Lynx golf course as there is. Um, and it's just it's like being in a totally different Totally different atmosphere, but the same appreciation for the game. Yeah, it's on my uh, on my bucket list. I want to go over there and, and play some golf and and tour around. And didn't win the didn't win the uh, par ball last week. That was my chance to. I really, really thought you were going to win it. I did I too. I thought I had it all lined up, ready to go. Yeah. Well, then the glitch in the system that messed <laughs> it up. I think it was going to probably be your number, and then something happened. Yeah, um, yeah. it's weird. It's bullshit. Oh well. Can't go on my uh, European summer vacation for four months and <laughs> play golf. <laughs> so, uh, Tiger Woods in the news on a, a couple different fronts. Uh, he was caddying for Charlie. So I'm all over social media caddying for Charlie in some of these junior events. But uh, the big news, we're going to see him a bunch next month. Looks like three times we're going to see Tiger Woods play golf. He committed to his own event in the Bahamas at the Hero World Championship. He is playing with Rory McIlroy against Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas in the match, which is going to be a 12-hole at-night event over at the Pelican. Wait, who is he playing with? He, who, who, who's his partner? 
his partner's Rory, and they're playing, playing against Rory. and they're playing against Spieth and Thomas. They're gonna blow them out of the water. I'll be curious to see what the Vegas says on that, but yeah, and then and then we'll see him at the PNC with Charlie. I would assume. I don't think he's officially committed to that, but I would think that's a, a no brainer. He's gonna play with Charlie in the PNC. So Charlie's been playing some good golf, man. It's funny. I keep seeing all these pictures pop up right around here, right where I live. Charlie's playing on these junior events and Tiger's caddy and form and shit. I'm like, man, I need I need to start looking up this tour he's on. I mean, yeah. just go out and watch. Yeah, I'm going to show up with Bo. He's not even old enough to be in the event. And like, I just need a kid to be here, right? We're good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. I hey, mean, Tiger, I would, you would. It, it wouldn't surprise me if people started doing that. Like, th- there's oh, a chance absolutely. that you can go out and watch Tiger Caddy for Charlie. People just random people yeah. will just show up. Be like, oh, yeah. cool! I'm just here to watch. I'd watch like, Tiger I mean, go to the grocery store. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what turkey? Analyze what turkey is he got? <laughs> analyzes every move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did he, he get a pound of chips? that? He bought yeah. chips. Did he get a pound of that? Let's make that two. We'll take yeah. one too. <laughs> what kind of cheese are we getting, Tiger? Okay, okay. Uh, you know, pick up just just happened to just rub elbows with him, pick out a little bone and ribeye with him at the uh, grocery store. You know. Yeah, I can see Tiger in Publix at the fucking meat counter. <laughs> Not even at the counter. He's over there just in the racks, yeah. searching through ribeye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that looks a little thin to me tiger what do you think yeah i, like I would marveling if i'd watch him do that i would definitely watch him caddy for charlie that's a fact oh that's great that's great well, how do you season your steaks tiger what do you what are your thoughts on that uh you olive oil guy salt pepper do you have a marinade you know yeah, i just talk you shop you know 100%. what's he doing on the grill well you know what kind of yeah. innovative things is he doing there what kind of grill do you have what's your grill budget like yeah, mine's not like that. Yeah, not mine. Mine's not like that. There's there's zero chance that Tiger grills anything. Oh, I think Guaranteed. he grills occasionally. I, I mean, I'm sure he does. definitely has a chef that you know makes all kinds of stuff. But I, I think I think he'll get down with a little grill and occasionally. Look, maybe, there's a part of Tiger that it, that likes trying to be as normal as possible. Just yeah. like when you saw him fishing off the back of that fucking yacht. That's <laughs> obviously not a fishing vessel. Like it's you know <laughs> no. so i think there are times where he's like hey i'm cooking a steak on my grill tonight and he sits yeah. out back there he burns the shit out of it turns it into yeah, it's probably grilling that fish he just caught oh it's a <laughs> dunlop by the time he's done with it. it's been on there for an hour and he walks inside and was like all right now you cook me a steak completely over seasoned <laughs> yeah oh man anyways it'll be great to see tiger so question for you guys i saw somebody pose this should Tiger play in regular PJ Tour events and apply to use a golf cart, which he would probably get access to use a golf cart in PJ Tour events? He would 100% get access to it. His pride yeah. will not let him do that. He will do it on the PGA Tour or on the senior PGA Tour where everyone is in a cart because then it's not an exception for him. And I think his pride will not let him do that. But should he? I don't know. I kind of like that there's never been anybody to actually do it. I think as soon as somebody does it, it's going to open up a whole nother can of worms. And if it's Tiger, then it's just going to, it's going to put a weird stigma over. Hasn't Daly done it? 
Daly's done it. And I mean, Casey Martin was the one who did it, which is a very, very similar situation. Nothing negative against Casey Martin, buddy. And and when I say, when I say somebody take a cart, I mean like someone who's contending, like a a player who like if Tiger's out there and he actually plays well and finishes in the top five or top 10, or even God forbid he wins using a golf cart, then it's going to be like, Oh, well, you know, now, now you're going to see every, every dude and their brother with any type of injury is going to be applying for a golf cart. And I think then it's going to take away from what's made it, you know, so fun to watch. I mean, it's part of the sport is, is being able to carry yourself 18 I, holes. Well, you know, hold on. Let me just throw something out there. You know, we're looking at a game that's evolving, right? We're looking at yeah. things that are shifting and shifting in a more relaxed and a little bit more, uh, a, a, an atmosphere that fun is more of a part of the, the conversation that's ever been. I'm just spitballing here, but yeah. I, I'd like to see these guys have their own tricked out badass golf carts that <laughs> each one of them has it's for him and his caddy. They do the whole thing. It speeds up pace of play. Now, all of a sudden, we got something. That sounds like a live idea. Why don't you send that to Commissioner uh, Norman there? Buddy, I, I, I let's find another facet to make it fun. I mean, think about it. these guys having cool, tricked out, customized golf carts. I just think yeah, no, I mean, I think it would be different, sure. Um, but it's also would, you know, I think it would take away from the sport itself. Like, I mean, you you guys know as well as I do. I mean, everyone's like, oh, walking 18 holes is no big deal, but it, it's not as easy. I'm not, I'm not saying it's like you know, sprinting or running a marathon or playing you know NBA basketball mm-hmm. game, but there is there is an element of to be able to, you know, stay fit enough to where you're able to perform at your 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 peak and then mentally not be kind of drained like i mean there is an element to walking a golf course say you're walking in and you know for the you know what used to be the pga championship in august or now fedex cup finals in august you know it's 100 degrees outside like being able to you know walk seven and a half eight miles you know definitely it it does you know wear on you um but no i think i I think something different like that would be cool every now and then like hey you get golf carts this week you know bring your golf cart I mean, Tiger's never going to do it. Listen, this is a quote from last year at the PNC. So almost a year ago, called 11 months ago. They asked him about using a cart. No, I wouldn't. No, no, absolutely not. Not for a PJ Tour event. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's pretty. Sums it up. That pretty much sums it up. I can't tell. Is he a little on the fence? (laughs) I think he may use one. And he did. I just looked it up. He did come out against Casey Martin. Um, Back in the day, and they played on Stanford's team together. Their yeah, buddies, they buddy. they played college golf together. He did come out against Casey Martin, um, and say that you know, you know, he wasn't in support of Casey getting. Um, well, I just look at it as if we're looking at the product that they're providing for the spectators to draw more people in. We don't gain anything watching people walk. I understand from the player's perspective, Jay, and I think you're dead yeah. on there. And I don't, yeah. I'm not taking that away from anything but if we just look at you know how we can improve the product or how we can offer something different i think things like that are things that sure about. i mean like i said we don't gain anything from watching them walk yeah. you don't gain anything and i i agree that like walking is part of part of golf from a selfish reason i would i would hope tiger would do it just so i could see him play golf more you know, sure. and maybe contend a little bit more because I don't think he can 
I just don't think his leg can hold up in a given week anymore. And he can he can make a cut like like he did this year. He made the cut at two majors. Um, I just don't I don't think it's it's feasible anymore. So if he did it so he could play more events and maybe potentially make more cuts and finish top twenty and contend, I would take it as a fan and a Tiger supporter. But in my heart, I I, I don't think PJ Tour players should be riding in a cart. Is he is he about to turn forty six or forty seven? Sorry. I should know this. Um, good question. Um, but I, I know. I mean, he's getting closer to. He's getting closer to. to he's getting forty-seven. Yeah, he's, he'll be forty-seven, and and so I mean, three years. I mean, three years. Tiger's going to be playing on the the Champions Tour, and he's already come out and said that he's going to do it. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, he's just hanging on for a little bit, plays five or six events a year, and just get ready to get in the golf cart. I mean that the really? Champions Tour is going to be become the most watched tour. I mean, do you think more people are going to watch the Champions Tour events than the PJ Tour events when Tiger plays? That's a great question. I think in the beginning, yes. I think is every they've got every bit of uh, of market share of of the viewership if Tiger plays. Um, if, if there's a PGA tour event the same week, I think more people watch tiger than they watch the regular event, man. That, that'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, Cause I mean, we all know that. I mean, you, you may watch like 30 minutes of, you know, of the champions tour just because there's nothing else on or there's the time. Yeah. I'll put, I'll put it on in between. Just yeah. Just cause I'm a sicko. But yeah. But in, or yeah, you may put it on if it's some cool story or if a guy or maybe one of the the senior majors. I mean, I, I would I would say the most golf fans don't care about the Champions Tour events, regardless of what the event is being like. If it's a, a major, they don't care. Some um, of the majors they get on cool venues. I'll put it on. Yeah, and it's mainly more because they see the golf course and really to see. Like yeah, you know the Champions Tour. I. I I saw a little bit of it earlier, and it was similar to the tournament on the PGA Tour. And I got to look it up real quick. Did Podrick Harrington just have an absolute collapse? I'm trying to find it. I, I, no, so Podrick Harrington won the event by a whole bunch. Okay, but Alker won. But the Alker Spanish. still won the season long thing. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And I thought that might have been what happened. But all of a sudden, I saw Stephen Alker uh, celebrating on a quick highlight, and I was like. I thought Harrington was out in front by like eight or something. No, I think so. Harrington was the only one. It was really just between the two of them. So Harrington had to win. And I forget Alker had to finish like outside the top five or um, to, you know, make the points where he would he would lose a season long race or might have been even like T10 or something like that. He had to finish worse than I think he finished like third or fourth in the event, therefore won the season long. Yeah. Point race. So, um, all right. Do we want to get into a little, little live discussion? I've been waiting all night. Jay's Jay's been trying to get a bourbon for like 15 minutes now. He's got his high flyer shirt on. He's got his high flyer shirt on. Let's go. Go get a bourbon, Jay. And then we'll talk some live. All right. So Jay's back with his bourbon. And then let's get into a little live, live discussion. So, we haven't broken down the team championship yet. That was held at Doral. The four aces are your inaugural team champion. One of America's great sports dynasties 
headed by Captain Dustin Johnson. That's all I got. So, all right, here's <laughs> you wanted you waited that whole time to say that, and then you're like, okay, let's move on. Okay, and next topic. So, okay, here's my here's my take on the team championship. I thought it was fairly interesting. And I think this is where Liv needs to go. If they want to have any, I think they need to almost, almost scrap individual play. I don't think it will happen because that means these guys will never get world ranking points. It would have to be, but I think they need to lean more into, you know, they say this is a big team format and a big team event and they they're trying to lean into it yet. The purse is way smaller than it is for the individual events. So really it's an individual tour and then they have the on the they side should, they have so they the, should flip that. So they, the, I think they need to I need the, to think they need yeah. to flip it and really lean into the whole team thing. If they want to be different, really different, then they need to lean into the whole the whole team aspect because it seemed to be the most juice for an event and interest in quite some time, probably since the Boston event when Cam Smith debuted and there was a ton of buzz for that event and then it kind of subsided here in the last few months so again i don't want them to succeed we all know that (laughs) but if they're going to i i think they need to lean a little more into that now they also need to actually tell us how this all works because yeah like two days after the team event ended they're like oh team trade and peter uline went from team smash to team four aces and then Taylor Gooch is now off four races and he's on, I don't, Torque, maybe Niblix. I, I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. But then it's like, okay, well, who's filling Uline's spot? And now this other team has too many players. And what's the yeah. actual, there's no real trade. And like, how does this work? There's no transparency on what is yeah. actually happening. And I think we're going to get more of this over the next few months because they're going to try to stay in the news cycle until February when they when they start back up again. And so you're going to hear some of this, oh, well, yeah, so-and-so is going to this team and so-and-so is going to that team. But I don't know what it means or how it happens or it's really just some guys in a boardroom saying, hey, PR guys saying, hey, we need to we need to put out a press release and get in the news again, put out a, a Twitter blast. So you're now on, you know, Pat Perez, you're now on this team or, hey, Joaquin Neiman, you're now the captain of that team or whatever it may be, you know, um, I, I don't know, but I think that's my take on Liv. I think it needs to go more into the team stuff and not just really kind of a auxiliary yeah. event. I, I agree 100%. I think I think that would be definitely unique. If, like you said, if they're going to try to differentiate themselves from you know the DP, DP World Tour, the PGA Tour, they need to do something different. And I think you know honing in on that the team aspect, more money for the team, maybe change it up to where it's 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 like a city or a country represents i mean or at least something to where you can create a fan base you know like we've said before like why do you like the the new england patriots because that's where you're from you know hey that's why i like that team so if they've just got a bunch of four random dudes playing on a team with a weird name then like, like okay what's my allegiance to this team but if there's four guys from spain it's like, oh, I'm, you know, if you're if you're from Spain, and then you're gonna, that's who you're gonna pull for. Um, so that's something along those lines. But I agree 100 with what you were saying earlier with the, uh, the like, what are the parameters of of the tour? Like, t- how do we get on the tour? 
Like if the more that we know about the tour, the more people want to follow it because they know the intricacies of how it all works, how these guys are there. You know, that's why people love the PGA tour because of the history, but everyone now knows like the process of getting onto the tour for the most part. I know they changed some things here and there, but like, you know, the process so you can, it's like you're pulling for somebody to work their way up on, you know, it's like minor league baseball. Like, Oh man, we've got, we've got these three draft picks that you know, draft in the first round and we've got a great class. You know, I'm watching these guys work their way up. You know, it's kind of the same thing with, with this tour. Like, okay, we've got these guys that maybe you're the fifth in line to get on to, to make the starting lineup, you know, something like that. Maybe have a team of seven and only start five or start four. I don't know. Those are little things I think would add some, add some value. As well, the other thing too, is I, I, I hasn't, I don't, it hasn't happened yet. But the way it's formatted right now, you're going to have a situation where a guy's almost going to have to make a strategic play on 18 one way or the other, right? You're going to have Cam Smith coming down on 18. Let's say he's got a two-shot lead, but his team's tied for the lead. And Mm -hmm. it's a really hard hole with a lot of trouble. We see it all the time on the PGA Tour and majors where a guy basically makes a bogey on purpose. Mm-hmm. to not make the double. And he goes, all right, I know I got two shots to play with. I can make a bogey here and still win this thing. And they play conservative and they make the bogey. They get out of there. They win the tournament by one versus, or, or you know, or two, whatever, you know, the numbers are. But that yeah. bogey is then going to throw him out of the team, out of first place. Or if the players in the fairway doing the math, it's $4 million for a win. It's only $750,000 for a win for the team. I, I'm making the bogey and winning yeah. the individual. You know what I mean? You know that this will that'll be a kind of a unique play in golf because it's such an individual sport. We've only seen like, hey, this is what's best for me. But what happens now when let's say you know it's it's completely flipped? So first place for the team is you know four million and and it's you know one and a half million for the individual. Um, and we, let's I'll be curious to see what some of these these players do. When they they know they can win more money, but they're not going to get, they won't win the golf tournament. They won't win the individual tournament, so they won't get the maybe the necessary fame that they would get. Um, it'd be kind of kind of neat to see interesting. how some of these guys would play it out. Like you know what, hey, I want to win the tournament, even though it's less money. I want to be the winner. You know, I don't know. Some guys, I mean, they've been trained this way for so long. It'd be kind of neat to see how they the, the true team player, I guess, so to speak. All right, I'm gonna throw something at you guys, and I. My first thought, and I'll I'll go a little bit more in depth to it, but I'll ask you guys the question first. Do you think it would benefit to have location associated with each team, similar to what we have in most major sports? And when I look at location, yeah. this is this is a little bit harder to. There's a little bit more that has to go into it, but let's just say in a perfect world, they were able to go in and in in each market, you know, you have. A, a golf course and practice facility that is their golf course where they host their event when they come to town, but yeah. also something that you could run as a public, a high end public golf course on the off weeks. You know, it has a, a, it's their home base. It's their clubhouse, similar to a stadium or a arena for any other major sport. Then we start having location associated and you start developing a local audience as we see with most other sports. And we've already seen that, you know, some players choose to live where they play. Some kind of rent a house here or there or stay in hotels, wherever it is. So I don't know. And they're not playing enough events now where I don't think it would be that big of a burden. But 
I'm just looking at it saying, man, it would be cool if they had a, you know, a Jupiter team. Yeah. Uh, you know, the best players that live around there, whatever it is, but you have all of a sudden a location start associated with that. And it's cool because it could be international. You know, you got a London team, you've yeah. got a, you know, a, a Spain, Australian team, an Australian team, the whole thing. And you don't necessarily have to be from there to be on that team. That's just who you're associated with. In all major sports, we have people playing in leagues that differs from their nationality. So all of a sudden, if we start to have that location associated with it, does it start to develop a different kind of fanhood? Are you able to start developing allegiances with these teams and organizations? I also think having the the golf club aspect of it, I mean, I think that's a <clears throat> almost an easy business model from a restaurant public golf course aspect. I think that's a good draw. I think people, especially if you could start associated with, I mean, think about it. You have all of these other major sports teams, but they're only the only people that are allowed to play on their turf are the players. Now you get to go be a part of it. You know, you can, you can go, you know, play on the same turf that the players play on when the tournament's there, where you can't do that in any major, you're not getting ready to run into dolphin stadium and play around with your kid and throw touchdowns or anything like that. And it makes it accessible to the public. How long ago was it called dolphin stadium? By the way, I have not a fucking clue. <laughs> I I think Dan Marino was, I think Dan Marino was on the team. When it was yeah, I think it's stadium. a what's it's like Allegiant Stadium now. I think I, I, I saw a, an article that said um, I think the last time the Dolphins were seven and three. I think that's a record. It was uh, I, I saw yeah. Tua was three years old. They had it was like six different stadiums six stadiums ago. Um, and Tom Brady was a rookie in the NFL and it was like, they named all these crazy stats and it was just funny, but yeah, apparently, and they had eight head coaches in those 20 years. I mean, that, that organization has been a mess Not for good. a long time. Not good. Not good. All right. Um, well, so, so but, one of the, one of the live rumors I'm hearing and, and what some of the talks are for next year Monday is qualifiers, allegedly Monday qualifiers. I'm not sure how that works in a team format. Um, care. Let's because, go. <laughs> because they're also talking that there's actually going to be 60 players. Every team is going to have five players. Only four will play. It'll still only be a 48 man field, but you, they'll be able to substitute and rotate guys in from event to event based off the injuries or someone's playing poorly or, or whatever it may be. Um, and there, there was a rumor I heard somewhere that some of these teams are talking about basically trying to live in the same locale. And they're going to have like their own team physio and like hire their own staff for each team just to try to make it a little bit more like professional teams that have their own equipment guys or whatever it may be. Well, that can all be on that same piece of property. You know, how yes. Cool yeah. Like you're talking about. Apparently. Yeah. Rub yeah. Shoulders. I mean, obviously you, you don't have access to that, but back there on the back of the range yeah, yeah. The team facility and you know, potentially that those guys are back there. You could play the course and maybe watch a couple of guys hit balls. You know, and you could even have Monday qualifiers in each location to qualify for a position on the team or something of that nature. I mean, there, there's just a there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, I mean, it's just something different. I mean, kind of like what we we were both getting at. I think having having these teams like centered around a, a location or a group of people is going to build some camaraderie. You know, like you said, I mean, having a, a a Spain team, having a London team, having a Jupiter team, like. Now that 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 area can get behind these players, and if you know, like any other sport, if if the if the closest team is two states away, like it was for me when I grew up watching baseball, 
like we didn't have a we didn't have a baseball team in Virginia. I mean, we had the the Orioles in Baltimore, and we had uh, the Atlanta Braves, and the Richmond Braves were the AAA team, so that's who we pulled for. But it was eight hours to go to a you know Richmond Braves game. Um, but it's the same thing. Like if you've only got three teams in the U.S., like if that's if that's the closest one, you know that's who you're going to pull for. And like you said, if if they find a way to come up, I don't. They probably wouldn't even need to build a facility. They probably just you know. A course could donate partner their, with yeah, the current. Say, hey, you partner with them and say, "Hey, this is the home course of, you know, the high flyers, whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's that's like a cool draw to, to bring in some, some fans. Yeah, that's good. The course has got to be awesome wherever it is. If they've got a logo like this, it's got to be good. Well, but all of a sudden, think about that too. Whenever you go play somewhere, what's one of the most often things purchased? Something with a logo on it. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, you got guys that are wearing their logo. Yeah, I went and played the the new high flyers course. It's a good track, really cool spot. You know, there's, I don't know. I I see a ton of opportunity there to be able to grow this league and ultimately start developing a, an audience that can draw from a local experience. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, back to your point too, Mike, they need to, I know it's new. It was the first year that they did it, but they need to find a way to be very clear with what, the tour here are the league rules here's how yeah this is just you need it somebody here's how the teams are formed and constructed and if there is a trade or if there is you know free agency and they're using what they call a transfer window which is a very popular term in soccer or footy football in europe you know they're calling a transfer window but in soccer in europe there's rules you know what they are you know how yeah. it all works you know the times of the year you, you you know it how it all works it's just like the salary cap and all the other sports you know yeah. what the draft is and all the other sports we just don't know how these teams are yeah. constructed or what the player movement's going to be like and why and, and they're just, yeah i don't think i don't just, think they i don't think they, they, don't, they don't know they're just winging it in the back of a boardroom somewhere something sticks you know which i mean i get it anytime you start something new there's going to be a lot of moving parts but I do think that's the next step. But they're trying to act like this next season. It's like, okay, well, this first season we just had was our beta testing, but now we're really going to see the the lift product. Well, tell us what that product's going to entail. Sure. Yeah. You know, know, and then like Norman, I put this in our show notes two months ago. He's talking about like, oh yeah, I get all these agents. They're all bugging me and players are bugging me to get on the tour, but we're full. We're full for next year. We don't have any spots. Then he comes out (laughs) in a press conference says, okay, yeah, we're looking to, to sign seven more guys. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Then we want Monday cars. <laughs> two months ago, you just said you were full and there was no spots and people were banging down your door to get on the tour and you were turning people away. Now you're looking to fill seven spots and have a Monday qualifier. But more bullshit from Greg Norman, but that's just Greg Norman. So, and then there's then there's the rumor that he's out, which we had talked about on this podcast. There's rumors going around that they're going to move him upstairs and give him a different title. You know, and then bring in Mark King, the former CEO of TaylorMade, to be you know CEO of of Live and the commissioner. And Mark King is pretty well respected in the industry. If he didn't leave, he didn't leave TaylorMade. He built TaylorMade into something special. Didn't leave there in the best light. Uh, with Adidas, bad finances, had to sell. Might have put a bunch of golf professionals out of business. Essentially, with TaylorMade. Um, then he went to Hama and then he went to Taco Bell, I think is his career path. But, you know, they, they've obviously came out and said, oh, no, that's false. Norman's still our guy. I, I don't know what to think of that, but there's a lot of smoke there. Where there's smoke, there's fire. 
And then you got then you got Pat Perez making headlines this past week talking about how how much he hates Phil and Phil did something that he'll never be able to forgive and then leaves it at that to just let the internet run wild with rumors on what Phil did to Pat Perez and makes him hate him so much that he's never going to forgive him ever again. Well, they've, they've rubbed shoulders a bunch in that Scottsdale market. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I have no ability to speculate on what happened, but they certainly have, uh, you know, that proximity to each other to have whatever experience could have happened. It, It seems like a bunch of, Reporters in the industry know that it's a pretty common um, thing that happened years ago. Alan Shipnuck said on his podcast this week, he knows he talked to Pat Perez about it for Phil's book. He did not put it in the book about Phil. He did say it. How did, I forget how, exactly how he phrased it. Um, Phil s- did something to disrespect Pat Perez's wife. Uh, I was going to say it was either gambling or it had to do with his wife. <laughs> it's one of the two things. And that was all that Shipnuck would say. Um, <laughs> he did something to no. disrespect Pat Prez's wife, but mm. didn't say what. So I don't know. Just a little fuel. I will say going back to the team thing, the press conference leading into the team championship was so annoying because those guys were clearly told to like, Hey, why don't you guys have some banner and give each other a bunch of trash and a bunch of shit? And like Kevin Na and Ian Poulter were going back and forth, and Kepka and Mickelson were going back and forth. And you could tell it wasn't like scripted, but they were told to give each other shit. You know, yeah. feels like, oh, hey, Brooks, nice green shirt. You got a green jacket to go with that? And like, all right, <laughs> he's, he's the worst. He's the worst <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that. Like, he's yeah. so cheesy. It's like, you can't even. I mean, I laugh at it because it's so cheesy. It's like, he really thought that was going to be funny. <laughs> it's just so filth. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, here's here's one thing I'll say about all this live thing. Rory's had some comments saying that Norman needs to go just recently. I think Rory needs, I love Rory and I love the PJ, well, love the PJ tour. I, I support the PJ tour. There's a lot that's wrong with the PJ tour that needs to be fixed. I support it over live and I love Rory. He needs to back away from the microphone too. Yeah. It's 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 getting a little too much. Like Rory, all right, you've said your piece. We all know where you stand on this. We know you're in support of the PGA Tour and you're in support of doing things the right way or how what you perceive as the right way. And and you've done some great things getting this group of guys together to make these changes with Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour. But all right, we get it. Just <laughs> enough. Stop the bashing. Stop the, you know. And yeah. I, I get he get I I understand he gets. A lot of requests for interviews. He's the number one player in the world, so he has to do press conferences at every event. He's at the DP World Tour event this week in Dubai, and this is where he got asked about it at his interview there. And, and, and gets, him, they hammer him every week about it, every week, and, I'm sure. And he is well, the he face of the PJ Tour now. So it's just like, but just, I don't know, just say it's time to move on. Well, that's exactly right. He just needs to go ahead and come out and say, all right, guys, let's, let's talk about this week's event. You know, we, we've beat this horse pretty dead. I'm pretty firm on my stance where I stand on things. Uh, if there are any developments or changes in how I feel, I will start. Legitimate changes. Know. Yeah. But, but until that time, let's focus on the the event at hand and, you know, the golf that we're here to play this week. Yeah. That's where he needs to leave it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, Rory, we got it. 
I got it, pal. I love yeah. you, man. I agree with everything you say, but yeah. all right, I got it. I don't need to hear it 40 times. Yeah. So. Um, all right, before we get into our picks for this week, anything else in the world of golf um, the last couple of weeks that we haven't discussed? I know the USGA came out with some rule changes, USGA and RNA, nothing um, earth-shattering, groundbreaking. We maybe can touch on that in the next couple episodes if, if we feel like it. Um, no, I mean, other than that, I mean, again, was like an equipment thing, but that article I sent to you guys just, just showing – the uh the putters like the, I just it still blows my mind that it keeps going up and up and up in terms of blade you know blade style putters versus um uh, you know mallet style putters I mean it's just crazy like the top fifty players in the world <clears throat> you had sixty two percent um of the top of the top official world golf rankings sixty percent of those guys were using um, mallet putters and. And then of on top of that, you take the top um the top 50 putters in the world strokes game putting, and that that number jumps up to 70%, which is I don't know. I mean, I've been a blade putter my entire life. Um, and I, I was telling the guys earlier that I was like, I'm gonna I'm going to I'm gonna start, I'm not putting great anyway, so I'm gonna switch it up. I'm gonna try to use it now and just figure it out. You know, it's, well, the one that I have is is it looks so wide-bodied mallet. It's a wide a wide-bodied body blade, blade. Sorry so to speak. So I'm getting a little bit of that, um, that mallet style, but not quite as, as in depth, but I don't know. That's just, I don't know. I'm always looking at equipment stuff and, you know, McLean, I know you're in that, in that realm all the time, but it's kind of neat to see that the (laughs) progression with that stuff. So screw it. I'll give it a chance. Well, yeah. Blades were always so popular amongst the best putters because for the longest time, it was the only, only option that provided any sort of face rotation. Now, being yeah. a big movement to where you have mallets that um, aren't face balanced. You know, for the longest yeah. time, mallets were basically all just face balanced putters. Yeah. But now you have mallets that allow for some toe hang and allow for a little bit of face rotation. And that's where you're seeing the benefit of a mallet from having the higher MOI, but the, yeah. uh, the ability the flow and flow of a blade yeah. to arc. Yeah. Correct. Well, I mean, and, and let's, I mean, Let's be honest. Like the, the I, I'm going to use ping answer as the, that. That's where that was the that was the most innovative putter at the time, right? So n- people look at that now as a blade, like a tough putter to hit. But before that, it was the 8802, the Wilson, which is like no forgiveness, right? So and then they moved to the, this ping answer style with the perimeter weighting to try to add some for, from some forgiveness, which would be more of a uh, an innovative, you know, change to the putter, but I mean, it took off, it, it worked well. And then obviously Scotty Cameron came up with a new port. Um, but, you know, we look at that as old and outdated technology, but at one time it was innovative. Now it's just, we're just continuing to progress to something that is even more. I mean, how many people use an 8802? It's like, it got to a point where like, Hey, this is a, this putter worked great for the time, but like these other putters are better. Like this answer putter is better. So I'm going to start using that. And it's just going to keep progressing to the point where, I mean, putters are, are, it's tough to really come up to innovate. Right. So you have to really get very fine tuned with what is going to make people put better. Um, But I think it's just, it's a natural progression. I think, I think over the next 10 years, like no one's going to be using a blade style putter. I mean, I'm I'm honestly looking at the trends, I just think that it's going to yeah, be like, and 
10% of all good um, PGA Tour players are going to be playing a blade. And it's going to be like a few guys that are just hanging on maybe towards the end of their career just because that's the only thing they've ever known. But I I think it's going to get to a point. I mean, it's just too much. There's just too much technology there, and there's too much R&D for all these club companies and and too much testing. And they're like, hey, this ball rolls way better more often when we use this putter with this perimeter weighting than it does when we use a blade. It's like, I mean – it is what it is. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of those old school guys too. And I just have to say, you know what, Hey, I know it doesn't feel the same right now, but eventually you just got to practice with it, get used to it, find the right style that matches your, you know, your putting stroke. But now they've got so many different options. Now you can do that. Yeah. Um, I thought it would, that, that article, when you sent it to us, I was, I knew it was going to be a high number. I didn't think it would be that high. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what, roughly sixty percent and seventy percent of those of those two classes in, of, of players. And 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 I the thing that was more impressive was the the seventy percent of the top fifty putters. putters. In the world. I thought like you'd see more to, blade putters there. Yeah, I mean, it'd be one thing to say, you know, or shitty putters using a bunch of mallets. Yeah, that or or even the best players in the world. I mean, you can't always equate that to their. And we've always talked about this. I mean, the the the. the the strength lies in strokes gain T to green. Those guys are the top ranked players in the world. But if you go back and look at who puts the best strokes gain, you know, putting, and, and you got 70% of those guys are using mallet putters or a mallet style putter. I mean, there's, that's, that's a lot. That's substantial. Like make the switch, you know, yeah. and I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'm like, you know what? I've got, I got a nice PXG, I don't even know the name of it, but it's a wide base putter, like you said. And I'm like, I'm going, I'm using it. Screw it. Let's go. It's the, it's the, closer. It's the closer. It's the same one the I have. Closer. Exactly. That's what I need. I'm just going for it. Love it. Yeah. I love it. I don't even know what my putter looks like anymore because I don't play golf, but <laughs> it's a different story. That's fair. That's fair. And I'm getting ready to move into a new house next week, which means I'll definitely not be playing any golf here soon. Well, then you need to get the you need to get the putting green built, and you need to get the simulator up. Well, I don't know about the simulator, but putting green might be in the future. Nice, might be in the future. Nice. So, all right, let's um, let's get into our picks. We haven't made picks the last few weeks since we haven't had a show. McLean did win the last one. I forget. I had the season point total on a different file somewhere, but McLean is still charging. Out ahead. Maybe we slowed him down here, Jay, with having these two weeks off. Maybe he's lost his mojo with his picks. Trying to freeze me. And yeah. freeze me out. Freezing out. Freezing out. So we got the RSM Classic at uh, Sea Island this weekend. All the Georgia boys are playing. Home venue for those guys. Bunch of PJ Tour players live there at uh, St. Simon's Island. So, all right, champ. We'll give you the floor first. All right. Let's go ahead and run down the list here. Starting out at the top, uh, St. Simon's resident, Mr. Keith Mitchell, someone who's had some success there previously, got him at 9,300. Moving down from there, a guy who's been in some incredible recent form and uh, once shot 61-62 at the RSM uh, on the weekend would be Mr. Patrick Rogers. And then playing really good golf right now. Playing really good golf, really in form. Uh, the all-time leading money winner at the RSM, Mr. Kevin Kisner at 8,300. And then I got JJ Spawn, guy who has played well there previously, guy who's in, in decent form. 
Um, the one who is not playing his best, but someone who I know is familiar with playing a lot of golf like this, uh, I've got Mr. Webb Simpson at 8,400. And then guy who's been in good form, guy who played well last year, uh, I think this course kind of fits him. I think he's comfortable playing on tracks like this. Uh, Mr. Grayson Sig at 7,500, rounding out my squad. Yep. All right. I like it. Jay Bird, you want to go or do you want me to go? Um, no, I can I can roll through mine. Um, just to give a quick backstory on this golf course, obviously they're playing, just so people know, they're playing the seaside course and the plantation course uh, on the first two days, and then seaside to finish up par 70, 7,000 yards. Pretty short. If the wind's not really blowing, kicking up, the guys, they'll go play pretty low. So you'll see... If the wind's not crazy, you'll see 20 plus under par. Um, and it typically, the bombers are limited because there's a lot of holes where you've got some little marshy areas where you, it's not like you can just drive the green. There's some some holes where you have to hit other clubs off the tee. So it really, um, stat-wise, comes down to, you know, ball striking, you know, 100 to 175 yards in and then, you know, short game stuff. So that's why, I mean, even McLean, you know, he mentioned a couple guys like Kevin Kisner. I mean, these guys play well there just because one, they they live out there, but two, they don't have to bomb it. So, just something to if you are putting a, a line together, something to 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 make note of. But um, I'll start from the bottom. I'm going to go with uh, Akshay Batia. He Monday wow. qualified with a 62. He finished 30th on the Corn Ferry Tour this year, um, but he already made uh, one cut in the PGA Tour event. He got a exemption um, into into the Bermuda championship finished 17th. Um, but this guy, you know, he's, he's from, uh, he plays out of North Carolina or I'm sorry, he's not from North Carolina, but he works with a guy that's out of North Carolina. Um, and he, I, the guy is super talented, but, uh, and he's obviously playing really well, shot eight under um, in the Monday qualifier when it was, you know, cold temperatures. So I think he's only he's 20 years age. old. He's playing, he's only 20 years old. He's already played a handful of PJ tour events, corn Ferry tour, um, but he's he's kind of a unique unique situation, and I think he's gaining confidence quickly. And he's still, I mean, when I was 20 years old, I wasn't even thinking about playing in a PGA Tour event. He's already played in you know, a dozen. So, I mean, he I, won I, last year on the Corn Ferry Tour, I believe, right? He won him on the Corn Ferry Tour. I mean, he can yeah. he can play. Um, but it's yeah, 6500 bucks. Most highly touted guys of his age. I think he's going to Sean O'Hare, right? He bypassed college to turn pro. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. He, I mean, he's been pro for three, uh, three years. I, I think, think he turned pro when he was like 17. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, you know, coming off that 62 I've, I've, and he's played this golf course before quite a bit. So I, I, I think, uh, he's kind of a, a sleeper there. I do jump up to, uh, Mr. Grayson Sig, a Georgia boy. Um, he's been playing some good golf as of late. I know he withdrew last week, but apparently no, nothing major. But um, in Mayakoba, he played great and had a bad final round and finished 42nd. Otherwise, he'd he'd had another top 10. Um, but he's at 7,500. I jump up to Andrew Putnam, who's had a great – he's had a great run. Uh, and I hope I don't jinx him. But um, the last, you know, 20 events, I don't – he's missed maybe one or two cuts in the last 20 events. I mean, he's not he's not a guy that's going to go – win a golf tournament so to speak i mean if he does great but he's he should play pretty solid and you know give you you know a, a top 25 a top 30 top 40 finish um and at 7900 bucks it's you know we want four rounds um <clears throat> uh jump up to mckenzie hughes finished second here last year 
uh, obviously playing some good golf with his win at the Sanderson Farms uh, three events ago. Um, so I, I have a feeling he'll have a good week. This I'll, I'll be honest. Like, there's so many guys that play out of Sea Island um, and around that area. Like, if you can't just say, oh, this is your home course, I'm going to pick you. I mean, there's there's 20 guys that, yeah. that live down there. So it's it's it, it made it a little bit more interesting, you know, going through all the guys that I know that live there, and I'm you know cross checking with how are they, what's the recent form, how do they play this golf course, how they play in the past. So, um, you know, that 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 makes it a little unique. Um, so that that leads me to the next player, Matt Kuchar, who is who lives out there as well. Um, it, again, just like a, a such a great. I mean, he's really ranked high in his putting. Great iron player, and I. I He's played well there in the past too, so I just wouldn't see him doing anything different based on his recent form. Um, and then finally, I'm going to go with the stud who's playing some really good golf, uh, Seamus Power, mm. to round it out. Okay, I like it. All right, I, so many, I mean, there's so many other guys though. I mean, it's like so many, so many good like prospects for that golf course. Like I said, because so many players live out there. It's, it was tough to kind of narrow it down. I felt like this field is not it's not very strong at the top, but just below the top echelon guys, there's a lot of like middle tier guys that are just mm-hmm. very solid PGA tour professionals. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. just um guys that are good at their craft and have stayed on the PGA tour for a lot of years or some good young up and coming guys. So yeah, I think this will be a good event to watch to maybe learn of a few other guys that you don't hear of. Um that often so yeah i will start at the bottom i got uh ryan armor just playing for $6,800 been playing some solid golf the last couple weeks at mayakoba and houston t21 t27 um i like him on this style golf course and i like his price point then i go up to young guy um from england ben taylor so if it gets a little breezy there on the coast uh, I know he can handle that corn ferry grad. And since he got his card, he's now made six of seven events. I made the cut in six of seven events in the fall series here. So not shy from the uh, third place finish last week. Yep. Coming off a, a very high finish and PJ tour is not scaring him at all. Coming from the corn ferry tour with that many cuts. A lot of my guys are, are big cut makers and we'll see if one or two of them can get hot enough to get up there and, you know, get a top five or um, a win even. Then I go up to uh, Andrew Putnam, just like you said, Jay guys just been playing solid for, it seems like six, seven, eight months. Now he's been making a ton of cuts, a lot of top 30 finishes. I like him at $7,900. That was a good bargain um, price. For him, then I go to Matthew Neesmith. Again, had a pretty solid year. Didn't play great at Houston, but before that, ninth at Zozo, second at the Shriners, ninth at Sanderson Farms. So I like Matthew Neesmith to play well in Georgia. Then I go up to Keith Mitchell. Home, I felt like I had to take one guy from <laughs> from Seattle. Yeah. Um, Mitchell's been starting to play a little bit better game rounding into form, had a top 10 last week and again, home course. So I like him. And then $9,600 Taylor Montgomery, you know, didn't play well last week for him considering the run that he was on, 
you know, he finished, made the cut, finished 57th, but before that, 10th, 13th, 15th, 9th, 3rd, just guys been playing his ass off for the last six months, going even back to the Corn Ferry Tour, a lot of top 10s on, on the Corn Ferry Tour. So he's feeling good about his game. And I think he uh, he bounces back after a, a slow week for him last week. So Taylor Montgomery, $9,600 was my last pick. And I'm I'm fairly confident in my squad. I think I'm going to win and beat your asses. <laughs> I got to get six guys at all in the top 40. You, uh, you got to get all of them in the top 40? My six guys will all finish top 40. Well, you need to place some place some wagers on that <laughs> if you haven't already. Don't tempt me with a good time, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the Neesmith, um, the, the Neesmith pick. I think that's I think that's good. He's played he's played well at this golf course in the past too. Um, I kind of want to. I wish I could sneak him into my lineup now. Um, what is he was a finish? little pri- he was a little pricier than I thought he would be. I had my eye yeah. on him early, and then. I, I, I mean, outside of the recent form that you just mentioned, you know, ninth of the Zozo, second of the Shriners, ninth of the Sanderson Farms. They made the cut of the Houston, uh, but didn't play well. But, um, yeah, at, at the RSM Classic, 29th, 15th, and 14th in the last three trips. So, obviously, I mean, anytime you finish in the top 30 and, and then again in the top 15, you know your way around that that golf course. And if yeah. you're coming off good form um, – that wouldn't surprise me if he. And I don't mind. I don't mind any guys that struggled last week that made the cut because Saturday's weather was brutal there. Scoring hours yeah. went went through the roof, and so uh, when you have tough weather, it's it's really easy to to put up a bad score and fall down the leaderboard. And yeah, I'm not too concerned about that. And that's a pretty tough golf course. I just played in Houston. Tom Doak redesigned it, and a lot of tough runoff areas. So you know, tougher than what they're going to play this week. So I'm not too concerned about any of the guys that maybe didn't play fantastic last week. And hell, I mean, look at Tony Finau. He just won and he missed the cut at Mayakoba the week before. So, yeah. yeah, you know, True. it doesn't take much for these guys to just catch that one little spark. Yeah. And they have a solid week. But um, anything else, boys? Back in the saddle. Remember how Back to Back in this? the saddle, man. Let's do this. Mike worked. Everything was good. Let's... Hit record. It's fantastic. Hit rec- oh, did we? We did hit record. That's hit good. Record. Good job. Yep. Good job, Mikey. Fucking nailed it. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Thank you to all of our listeners. We appreciate you guys as always tuning in and listening. And we'll be back next week to talk about the RSM Classic and any dumb live news that comes about. <laughs> we can pre. We can preview the uh, Hero World Challenge. Give it a good. You know, a couple yeah, of there we go. Bands. Yeah. So I like it. We'll break down all 20 guys in the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take us all right, boys. 16 minutes. All right, guys. Yeah. That was fun. I appreciate Enjoyed it. it. Right. Take care. Cheers. Later.